Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Talking Tigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, with my co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Uh, we plenty to get into uh, because the wait is over, uh, and LSU football is finally here. Game one is in the books. The Tigers beat Georgia Southern Eagles at home 55-3. to so plenty to talk about with that, both the game itself and the uh, the particulars. And if you're not already following us, we are at Talking Tigs on Twitter, and it's just Talking Tigs podcast on Facebook, and we're also on uh, Apple Apple iTunes and Spotify. Uh, but f- as we said, plenty to get into. But I want to check in with my hosts first, who were at the game. Uh, how you doing, guys? Good. You know, we uh, we got to report live on location. I uh, got to, you know, scout the team. We weren't on the field. We're hoping the press credentials come in uh, later in the season so we can be, you know, right next to Koche when he makes those uh, pivotal calls. But, uh, you know, more or less, still a great experience. Uh, what do you think, Daniel? Yeah, definitely. I had a great time. It was uh, super exciting to finally see what we've been building to for the past couple of months here. And I think everyone uh, was very pleased with the results, which we will get into here in just a second. Yeah, and um, uh, in addition to all that, uh, Tommy, I'm uh, I'm gonna check with Verge Osbury about those credentials. So yeah, I don't know what happened. They must have gotten lost in the mail because yeah. you know I just I don't know. Like feel like one of the top you know podcasts with a, with you know more than two listeners should probably have press credentials at this point. So uh, I'm gonna talk to Woodward about that. Yeah, that's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll get it worked out. Uh, I just don't want you to stress about it. Uh, I want you to st- uh, focus on this game uh, because the the Tigers look really well. So. Uh, Overall impressions, would you say the Tigers, um, we are who we, they thought we were? Um, just a little bit more to work on, or uh, they, they actually kind of really impressed you, blew your mind a little bit? Um, I'd say overall, very impressed, a little bit surprised. Um, I think that on both sides of the ball, this team is special. Uh, and we'll get into, we'll get into you know, in-depth offense, defense. But uh, I mean, just just overall, I don't think you can ha- I don't think you can be much much more impressed than with the performance last night because as and I, as I said last week on the podcast, and they kind of proved me wrong. I'm a, I'm always a little bit um, skeptical of LSU against these kind of you know cupcake type teams because it always seems like they play to their competition and they always leave leave them you know leave the door cracked. And I'll tell you, after the first quarter, this thing was this thing was over. Uh, I mean, it was it, that was, and I, I we'll get into we'll get into it more. I've got some you know some thoughts on on the offense and on the defense. But overall, I don't think any LSU fan in the right mind can be uh, can be anything less than you know excited and just uh, you know pleased with that performance. Yeah, it was yeah. about as good of a start to the season as you could ask for. I mean. Everybody was a little bit kind of nervous to see what we're going to do going into the season, and we definitely proved why we are one of the top teams in the country, at least at this point. I mean, it's only against Georgia Southern. We're not facing the Titans here. We'll we'll find that out this next week against Texas, but this is definitely what you want to see to start the season. Definitely, and I think, uh, like you said, we're one of the top-ranked teams in the country, and I think the reason they were ranked number uh, six to start was because of the talent that they had and the expectations that this team was going to come out and look like they did yesterday. And I think it all starts with the, the new-look offense that has been promised. Granted, it has been promised over the last several years, 
Uh, but, uh, I don't know, let's start with you, Tommy. Is it safe to say that this is indeed a different LSU offense? I, 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 think, I don't think anyone could argue that this is not a, a different look. I mean, yeah. no, no snaps taken under center. No, uh, every, you know, more passes and more passing yards in this game than maybe we've ever, maybe we've ever seen. And, uh, you know, they spread those, they, they, we have so many, so much great talent. And, and like we talked with Josh Lemoyne on, our, on one of our podcasts, you know, we had some of the top receivers over the past couple of years with Jarvis Landry and with Odell Beckham, with Reuben Randall um, and Russell Shepard. And they just weren't, they weren't put in positions to where they can really utilize that athleticism. But last night, all the, almost every receiver had, had a great moment. Terrence Marshall had great catches. Justin Jefferson had great catches. And, uh, and so it was great to see, you know, I, 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 uh, I kind of went back and forth in my mind afterwards when I was just thinking about it. I was like, well, you know, wouldn't it have been something you know, no, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. knowing what we know now, knowing that they have this offense, wouldn't it have been something to come out and just see LSU, they, they line up in a straight eye formation, hand it off, and then they win the game, you know, maybe we'll say 30 to 30 to 10, or, 30, you know, 35-10, something like that, but it's a grinder, and, you know, they're, they're and, then, and then they come out next week against Texas and look like that. You know, that would have been, I think that would have been kind of, you know, kind of funny, kind of like, oh, wow, they, they pulled that out of nowhere, but... Mm-hmm. But but then again, you know, we if that had happened, we'd be on this podcast saying like, what happened to the offense? You know, why did we even hire Joe Brady? It's time to fire everybody. So right. of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. But that was a different offense, and that's different with a capital D. I I, I don't think we've ever seen, uh, I don't think we've ever seen anything like that in LSU football. I mean, even when they would, even when they had, you know, the kind of like a, a a Jordan Jefferson, you know, more of a scrambler type guy and he was lined up in, in, in a shotgun forma- formation, it was not that type of, of throw-first offense. Uh, so I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed. I'm, I'm surprised. And, and, I mean, it looked like we were watching almost like Oklahoma out there. Yeah, yeah and only, I think it was two and a half quarters of duty. Joe Burrow went 23 of 27 for 278 yards and five touchdowns. And you can't really ask much more of your quarterback there. I know Wait, what was that, Daniel? <laughs> you can't ask much more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he could have been 27 or 27, but uh, yeah, I think it was like a 98 QBR, and yeah, he was pretty much just on the money all night. And then he they relieved him with Miles Brennan in the third quarter, who finished seven to 12 for 72. But yeah, Joe Burrow was clean. Uh, one thing I had uh, asked for last week was to have a 100-yard receiver, and nobody got there. Uh, Justin Jefferson was number one, five catches for 87 and one touchdown, but, I mean, that's putting in the work, too. Also, shout-out to Terrace Marshall. He only had four catches for 31 yards, but three of those four were touchdowns. So that's a big red zone threat right there that I hope we continue to utilize. And just like a, you were talking about time with the eye formation, we're just so used to seeing that, like, halfback toss and dive with the Les Miles era uh, with Leonard Fournette and Darius Geis and Spencer Ware, whoever else, Jeremy Hill. But that, that was not how it kind of went down. Saw all sorts of new formations. And Leonard Fournette actually tweeted out that he was like, uh, imagine if I was on the team and we had this type of offense. Who knows how much I would have run for. And so it kind of makes you wonder about that. But I'm glad with what we got here. Right. Well, and, I mean, he's really right. He's right because, and I, mean, I know you mentioned that you know you wanted to see a 100-yard receiver, and we didn't get to see that. But I think that's a testament to how much talent we have. You know, how many how many different talents we have. 
they spread the ball around. When you talk about a spread offense, like there was not a a you know one one person you just throwing it to. Yeah, quick, um, quick off the top, how many receivers do you think caught a pass last game? I mean, uh, probably. I think it was like ten. It was fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I, I, that, everybody got the work. Yeah. Yeah, so and I, I Brennan, Brennan came in, like you said, he, uh, Burrow only played two and a half quarters. Brennan came in, and he did all right. He was 7-12 for 72 yards. I mean, they, they weren't – I don't think they were trying to run up the scoreboard. They are just trying to see what he could do and move the ball. But he did all right. But, yeah, all those receivers. And uh, I think they had – I don't know. Uh, a few of them, like three or more, had 30-plus yards. So they, you know, they, they weren't just dink and dunk little passes. Uh there were some long plays, and I think uh, I think you're right. LSU hasn't seen anything like this. The only thing that may come close was the last time they actually had uh, a great passing attack, and that was 2012 with uh, Mettenberger, or 2013, excuse me, when they set that SEC record. They it did a lot of shotgun, but I think it was out of having to pass type situations and not just uh, majority passing situations. Uh, so having said that. Uh, and I know it's already one game in the season. I, I meant to make this prediction last week, but uh, it slipped my mind. So I'm going to say that uh, this will be the second time LSU will have a 3,000-yard passer, 2,000-yard receivers, and a 1,000-yard rusher. Uh, so that's my prediction going forward um, based on what I saw Saturday. So there you go. Well, wow. Are you going to name names, or are you just going to say it will be someone? Yeah, well, uh, I think it would be obvious that Burrow would be the passer. I'm going to say Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase are the 1,000-yard receivers. Uh, my dark horse there might be Thaddeus Moss, but we'll see. And of the 1,000-yard rusher would be Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah, Clyde looked good. Lennard, actually, you know, Lennard looked pretty good. He had a, he had a nice little screen pass, I think, in the second quarter. And then we got to see John Emery and... Uh, Tyron Davis Price, which I was kind of surprised about, but um, yeah. me and Dan were talking about it during the game that with the with the new rules implemented last year about redshirt eligibility, like I think both of them would be eligible, still eligible to redshirt if that's what they chose to do. So um, it was good to see everybody get the you know get to tote the rock a little bit. Yeah, that yeah. was one thing uh, that I was maybe a little bit disappointed about. Maybe just we're so used to spoiled having to these great running backs. We weren't exactly dominant in the ground game. I think we racked up about 100 yards total on the ground, and we're used to maybe closer to, to 200 yards. But everybody seemed decent. Nobody broke off any gigantic runs. Uh, yeah, all those guys you mentioned, and Chris Curry got a few uh, handoffs too. So I think they're still kind of finding their footing as far as how they want to distribute the, the ball accordingly on the ground. But, yeah, definitely good enough to at least keep them guessing. So hopefully we can just build upon that a little bit and be a slightly more effective against Texas, a little bit stouter D-line next week. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, the, the, the longest was, I think, 20, 20 yards. So it wasn't any breakaway. Uh, but they did have a couple touchdowns. I think as a group there were 33 rushes, 122 yards overall. Uh, I don't know. I think I will miss some of this ground and pound if they get rid of it completely because I think sometimes it's just, you know, I, I like seeing them impose their will on a defense to just run it up the middle at, at will. Uh, but, you know, it's a new-look offense, so <laughs> I, I don't expect that to happen. Um, but Well, that and, and I do think that I think that it was important, and I feel like probably Coach O, Joe Brady, Insminger, I think that they went out there yesterday to make a statement, and a statement to 
college football at large, a statement to the SEC, and a statement to the LSU fan base that this is not, you know, this this is this is different. And you know, I we have we do have talented we do have really talented backs. Uh, John John Emery, you know, a five-star recruit, and and uh, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he's got uh, you know a lot of experience and is a good back. So I think we will see a, a good running game throughout the you know the mid-stretch of the season. But I do I think that they, were, they came out with a clear objective yesterday of we want to show everything that this you know almost air raid type offense can do, mm-hmm. and and they and they accomplished that goal. Yes, they did. Um, and I would say uh, it was so different that OSU was so surprised to see it, and everyone was happy that uh, I think the the defensive performance uh, for the Tigers might have gotten overlooked a little bit. Uh, it, it was kind of uh, kind of subtle, but when you look at the score, you can see how dominant they were. And I think Georgia Southern only had uh, like 113 or something like that total yards in the whole game. Uh, so I think the offense did its job, uh, but the defense definitely did its job because, you know, we, I think none of us – well, no, I think uh, I think I did say they would cover the spread. You guys weren't as reluctant to say so. Uh, but the defense, I think that's because we all expected Georgia Southern to score more or at least move the ball more. And I know Shy Wirtz was out there for a little bit with an injury – uh, but it, it didn't really make too much of a difference from, to me who was in the game. The, the defense played just as lights out. So tip of the hat to, to Aranda. I know these guys were working on it since the spring, uh, and it showed. Uh, they, they bottled up Georgia Southern quite yeah. well. I mean, yeah, and the two, the two players you expect to look great, you know, 7-18, and 18, uh, Grand Delpit looked incredible, and, and Ch- uh, Chason, you know, it looked like, he'd been, like it looked like he didn't even miss a year last year. So, you know, it, it looked like it didn't, you know, when you come off an ACL tear like he did, you kind of worry that, you know, is he going to be a little bit apprehensive? Is he going to be playing, you know, playing a little bit scared on it? Because I know from experience I've had five knee surgeries, you, you know, and I'm not, a, I'm not a good athlete at all, but you do get scared when you, come, when you try to come back and, and move the same way because it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel the way it used to. But, I mean, he looked like he was playing lights out. And, of course, you know, it is, it is Georgia Southern. But you know some of the stuff that the the some of the stuff does I don't think you know really matters that much because they're still you know they're still top you know football players they're still college football players and Georgia Southern I think that if if LSU had not been prepared they would have tr- exposed them and uh, as we saw with kind of other games around the country there were a lot of uh, teams put on upset alert so. LSU did what they had to do. They took care of business. That that defense was strong. You know, you, you no real holes in it. The defensive line looked good. Rashard Lawrence looked good. Uh, linebacking core without uh, Michael Divinity still looked great. And uh, the DBs, you know, DBU was out, was out there. And Derek Stingley, who everyone had questions about, or not necessarily questions, but everybody wanted to see him on the field in a real live game, he looked lights out. Yeah, yeah I mean – like you said, shout out to Justin Phillips. Uh, had a really good game, kind of commanding the defense in uh, in Michael Divinity or Jacob Phillips. I, I said Justin, but a really good game commanding the middle of the defense in Michael Divinity's stead. With he was suspended along with uh, left tackle Sidney Charles, but yes, yeah, so they were great. 
And then on the wings, uh, Derek Stingley and Christian Fulton absolutely locked it down. Derek Stingley, the real deal. I don't think he allowed a completion the entire game. I'm about to check that. But I know Georgia Southern only completed four passes the entire game, which is pretty incredible uh, for a grand total, I think, of 24 yards. Uh, so that was absolutely uh put them on clamps on the outside. But, and yeah, and then the, the D-line did everything they needed to do to just kind of wear them down. And then so we'll see kind of how that gets tested against some more elite receivers like uh, Colin Johnson and uh, Devin DuVernay for Texas next week. But, I mean, that's about as good as you can get, really. Yeah, I mean, you can't ask for more than that. I mean, three points, and I, I think, uh, yeah, by the second quarter, they still only had 28 yards. And, you know, it's one thing if, if they're moving the ball and just not scoring, but they just were not moving the ball. Like you said, they only had four completions. So you would think, all right, well, they must have just been running the ball mostly and just maybe not picking up enough first, bounce, first downs. No, they, they only rushed as a team for 74 yards. And that's, that's incredible, for, you know, considering it's a triple option team. But, uh, uh, again, that's why they, uh, I think the preparation that started at the beginning of last year, you know, it's kind of like the, the year they played Oregon. They, they knew what they were going to face, so they just started preparing for it early. Because it's your first game. It's the one game you can uh, afford to spend months planning for, so you, so you can start strong, and they did. And, um, you know, with the offense being as good as it was and the defense being as good as it was, uh, you would think, all right, well, this is the team we wanted to see. But... Then it fi- comes to find out that the uh, the special teams also improved as well, and uh, Derek Stingley looked great returning punts back there. I think he had uh, four for like 50 yards, 52 yards, uh, and then that first one, his first punt return was 32 yards, yeah. and then he followed that one up with 20, uh, and both of those led to TD drives. Uh, he looked great, and then also uh, the freshman, Cade York, knocked down two field goals. Uh, one from I think 48 yards. So, uh, and I don't even think they needed that field goal. I think I was just seeing if uh, the kid could do it in a in a game situation, and he did. So special teams has improved much also. So right. We got yeah, that, that was, going for us. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the other things that I mentioned last week was hoping Cade York uh, was able to step up, and he absolutely did. He converted, I think, all seven extra points and then two field goals. Very nice for him. And like you said, Derek Stingley looked like he was about to break one to the house on that first return. So just to have that threat. Uh, he's a great asset to any team, and I'll be looking for him to start that true freshman Heisman campaign when he runs one back to the house like Patrick Peterson just strikes that pose in the end zone. But we'll uh, see if that happens or not. Man, uh, I, yeah, I was, I'm glad you brought that up, Daniel. He, to me, he looks like Patrick Peterson. He's got that size. You know, Patrick Peterson, he's a, he's a taller DB, right? I, I believe he is. Yeah, Patrick Peterson's um, pretty big. I think he's like 6'2 or 6'3. Yeah. He, he looks like Patrick Peterson when he runs. And... You know, if that's and, and like like our you know friend of the pod Josh Lemoyne said, you know he hasn't seen a talent like this since Patrick Peterson, and he's and and he thinks he's probably better. I mean, I, I am so excited to watch him mature and grow and and learn. You know this this uh, you know college college level offense or college level defense because he's going to be a very special player to watch for the next three years. Uh, and not only that, but. I think having him on special teams, like you said, having it, having him be a threat there, uh, to run to run them back for a touchdown, yes. But in addition to that, uh, he he doesn't even have to get TDs because he's if he can return them 30, 20 yards every time, and just the he neutralizes a good punt. 
Yeah, and yeah. They, the offense only has to go 30, 40 maybe or so yards to score. That's that's a relief that the previous offenses did not have. They used they're used to driving, you know, from LSU's five, ten, fifteen because someone didn't punt it well or they had to let it roll and the defense could down it. Um, Stingley took them when their guys right on him and he didn't seem phased. He he seemed pretty collected, you know, and he made a few moves. So I, I think they got the right guy back there. So I, I'd just be happy if he could return them twenty yards every time. That's all yeah. he needs to do. Now, speaking of moves, Scott, did you see John Emery's put that guy on skates? <laughs> that, was, that, I was, that was incredible. I was talking to Daniel. Me and, me and Daniel, by no means are we Bama fans, but I, I have a lot of respect for Jerry Judy because that guy can uh, – Daniel, what do, they, what do they call – what do they say? What's that video say? Uh, I think you put him on, like, ACL alert or something. <laughs> <laughs> Go go gadget breaks. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, Jerry Judy has he's got some of the best. I think he's got the best cuts and the best jukes in college football. But I'm telling you, watching watching John Emery put that move on on uh, that DB right right around the end zone. I, I he's he, that that's the explosive kind of back that we thought he'd be. So just to give a shout out to J- to John Emery for that uh, for that nice move. Yes, yeah. yes, indeed. Yeah, I can't wait to see more of that. Um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire too, but yeah, John Emery, uh, right out in the open field. That was awesome. Um, and some, uh, small other good news. Uh, I don't think there were any, any injuries, uh, for the Tigers, right? There, there weren't any glaring injuries. No. no, there was, a, there was a late hit on Miles Brennan. Um, but it, he seemed fine afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. I played it clean. Another good thing is the LSU really minimized the penalties. I don't know if anybody kind of noticed that, but they were uh, generally pretty clean, and that's something that's kind of plagued us in the past, especially in big games. Like, we'll have a, a huge holding or pass interference call that just kills the momentum. And so if we can keep it like that, maybe Coach O's got to whipped into shape a little bit. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, what you want to see. Yeah, yeah. and, you, you know, Scott, you said something a few minutes ago uh, of uh, talking about the, um, the lead-up to the Oregon game a couple years ago. Uh-huh. And now, you know, this is – I, I don't think you meant this, but – just to clarify, like Georgia Southern is no, you know, was not even close to the caliber of a team that, that Oregon was in 2011. But I do agree with you that this game felt the same. There was a lot of questions going in. You know, in 2011, they had a real young defense of like you know, basically all true sophomores, I believe. Uh-huh. And 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 I, I remember everybody talking about how good this team is going to be. Oh, this team is going to be good. So, but but there was, you know. No one really knew until the, the until Oregon and LSU collided at at uh, Dallas Cowboys Stadium, and I feel like it's kind of the same thing where there's a lot of hype around this team, a lot of a lot of questions, but a lot of people talking about how this oh this team's different, this team's special, this team's going to be the one, and I think all those questions were answered in the same way you know in week one that they were when LSU played Oregon. Now I think that uh, you know next week will be the true test. And we, we can, we're going to get into previewing that in a little bit, but um, I am I am I think that I think that I am much more confident going into Texas today than I was on Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely, I, I would agree. And uh, yeah, no, uh, Georgia Southern was no Oregon, uh, but yeah, it was just it's just the way they prepared for this one game, and uh, I think I for the LSU Oregon game. I, I, I kind of thought LSU would win, but it would have been 
a lot closer game. Same with everybody. I don't think anyone expected LSU to dominate Oregon, uh, which was kind of like uh, yesterday. I think everyone expected LSU to win. You know, Vegas had them at 27 uh, over, but I don't think anyone expected them to win. I don't think anybody expected them to put up 55 points and, yeah, only, and, no. to, and to hold them all game to three. Exactly. Like, if it was 55, they probably thought, oh, well, uh, Georgia Southern probably scored 28, right? Like, no, yeah. they, they got a field goal. That was it. Also, another good thing about scoring 55 points is that they didn't score 60 points, uh, which is what, what if they would have done that, then I would have had to buy that Joe Burrow jersey. But I escape and move on to next week against Texas. Daniel lives to fight another day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this time. I hate to um, say I told you so, but... Right. Uh, but speaking of Texas, uh, well, first off, uh, lastly, I wanted to say um, uh, it, it was a small little blip. I don't, I don't think anyone may have... Not everyone picked up on it, but it was noticeable. There wasn't any news coming out about any suspensions, but uh, apparently Michael Divinity, like you said, did not play, and nor did Sadiq Charles. Uh, there was no word. I didn't see anything. I still haven't. So... Uh, maybe O will address it at his weekly call or something, but I don't know. It seemed like a silent suspension of some kind, but there, there's no word on that yet, right? Yeah, they, I think they just announced it right before the the day before that. Yeah, Sidney Charles, uh, Michael Vinny, and one other guy, Trevez Moore, were just uh, ruled out, suspended. Nobody said why. Um, that's all I heard. And then so hopefully they'll be back this next week. Maybe we'll get some clarification there. But yeah, we need those two starters uh, for sure. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a similar situation to uh, what happened with Alabama where, uh, well, what's his name, the running back? Najee uh, Harris. Harris. Yeah, Najee Harris and, uh, and uh, a wide receiver missed, like, a team meeting, and they were suspended for a quarter. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, something internal like that where it's just more of make a point, you know, even though you're the, you're the captain of the defense, you're the, you know, you're the star defensive player along with Grant Delta, I guess, and Chase, and Chase on, that, uh, you know, you need to show up or you need to, you know, don't take it too lightly. So I, ex- yeah. I expect to see him out there next week and, uh, you know, captain of the defense like he always does. Yeah. Well, that's the, I think that's the difference between, uh, you know, other teams outside of Tuscaloosa and, you know, the uh, Tuscaloosa's, you, you sit one quarter. I hope you learned your lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, you got your starting left tackle, the guy that's going to protect protect Joe Joe Burrow, and uh, he's got to sit out the game. But uh, you know, it, I don't think it made much of a difference. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what word comes out of that. But uh, I want to look forward to see uh, see what you guys think about Texas. So they, you know, they won pretty handily against La Tech. Uh, Sam Ellinger looked good, twenty eight of thirty eight, two hundred seventy six yards for four TDs. Uh, they rushed all right for a team. Um, but I thought LaTeX, uh, this is what I was interested in, I think, last week. Uh, I wanted to see what LaTeX could do, and they did a lot. Uh, their quarterback, 34-51 for 333 yards and two TDs. He had a pick, but, uh, I mean, that's still a lot of yards. Uh, they didn't score much, but they, they obviously moved the ball pretty pretty good on Texas. Um, did you guys see anything from Texas? I know you feel better now that LSU has that first game, and they look really good. Um, but you think they pretty much can go to Austin and and win this one on the road with uh, with, with some room to spare? I, the, I think that I think that like you said, uh, Tech being able to move the ball on on Texas like that, um, I think that's good news for us. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, because of course it's it's always difficult to say to, to play the game of like, well, we beat you know we did this to them, and then they did this to that team, and then we're playing that team next week. So it, every game is going to be a little bit different, and you know I'm sure Texas will be a little bit more um, uh, hyped up for a game against LSU than they will for Louisiana Tech. But you know the the stat sheets you know doesn't lie, and the fact that 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 Tech's quarterback who's you know not he's not he's no Joe Burrow that he threw for, you know, 300 yards and two TDs. Um, I think that's, I think that's, you know, proven to be decent. And I don't think Texas is going to be able to put up 45 on us. So I think our defense will keep us, you know, keep, keep the game closer. And if we can move the ball like Tech did, I think we'll be in, uh, I think we'll be in good shape. Yeah. Sam Ellinger for Texas looked good. And he's obviously probably the second best quarterback that we're going to face this year after uh, two attack of Iowa for Alabama. So if we can wrap him up, then uh, you can play with anybody. But yeah, just the little teases of offense that Louisiana Tech showed uh, proves that definitely we can do the same. Hopefully Texas isn't known for having any sort of uh, world-class defense that I know of. So I think just a quick score prediction. I think LSU is going to win. I'm thinking 31-27. And they actually they just announced this morning that College Game Day will be in Austin for that game. They picked it over the Texas A&M Clemson game, which I think is a is a good decision. So yeah. the atmosphere is going to be there. Everybody's going to be hyped. Wish I could be going to that game, but uh, definitely eyes will be glued to the screen and ready to watch them take them down at home. Yeah, same, same yeah, I think We'll just have to settle for walk-ons, Daniel. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I agree, and uh, to go to what you said, Tommy, about uh, I don't think Texas is going to score 45 on us. I don't either. I, I couldn't watch the game, but I watched uh, the highlights of that game, and I was just seeing how, how Tex, uh, La Tech's defense was working against the pass. And if you just watch the highlights, you can see these guys were – they look confused back there. Uh, I'm not saying that Texas can't score through the air, but a lot of tech. I mean, the, the guys were wide open. There's, uh, you know, just breakdowns in coverage, mostly because there's this. Uh, lot tech doesn't have Grant Delpit back there, so I, I don't think Texas is going to throw uh, like that against LSU. I have uh, I had a, a similar score to you, Daniel. I was going to say 34 to 24 or something like that, but I think uh, I'm going to say 38 to 28. And, you know, I think something else to look at is uh, that Texas's leading rusher was had 78 yards. Now, of course, I know that we, you know, we didn't rush for a lot either, but the, I think the difference will be, like you said, Tech doesn't have the near the, near the uh, secondary that we do. And I don't think, and, and judging by the stat sheet, of course, I didn't watch a ton of the game either, but judging from the stat sheet, Tech only had one sack. So that leads me to think, you know, and I don't, and I, I don't believe Tech has the same kind of pass rush that we do. They don't have a chase on on the edge. They don't have uh, Richard Lawrence coming in. And so, if you know, if we can lock down the receivers and get and get a good pass rush going, and and, and they don't, and we don't have to necessarily respect a run as much as as much as we will with other teams. You know, I think it'll be a pretty, um, it'll be pretty good for our defense. It'll be pretty conducive to where our strengths are. Yeah. Yeah, they could get pretty, uh, hopefully a lot of coverage sacks because, like, you know, the LSU is just not going to leave the field wide open like La Tech did. So, Ellen uh, here's going to probably he's probably going to beat us more with his legs than his than with his arm. Yeah, and I think I think this will be I think that this defense will be a lot different to what he's used to facing. I can't think of I mean Georgia when he played against Georgia, 
um, in the Sugar Bowl, you know, that would have been probably the best defense he's played against. But as we all know, Georgia didn't show up for that game. So, yeah. well, uh, they didn't show up for the LSU game either, and LSU scored forty something. So, uh, uh, that 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 what you know that wouldn't move the needle for me if they beat Georgia. So did we, you know? Yeah. No, you're right. Do y'all have any uh, other notes from kind of around the college football landscape, uh, week one? Yeah, I, I I got one that I that I want to say, and I, I know Scott, you said you didn't get to, you didn't get a chance to t- catch this game, but me and Daniel watched the Alabama game, and uh, man, Alabama looked bad that first first that first quarter against uh, with with without Najee Harris and without uh, what was that receiver, Daniel? Devontae Smith. Yeah, Devontae Smith and uh, and their um and their uh, their tackle too. I think they were missing like a tackle or a guard. They did not look good. I don't know, Daniel. Did you think they looked, you know, any any better than I did? I I was very unimpressed. And now, of course, when the, when they when they came off of their one one quarter suspension and the full you know first string came in, um, that was you know they got back to you know they were Alabama of, of standard. And then the second half they kind of they ran them over. But yeah, the Dukies Dukies stood tall for a little bit, and then kind of Alabama got into their groove and started running it up as you would expect from them. So, but I mean, it showed that they they can be vulnerable. But once Jerry Duty started catching passes and Tua found his rhythm, and then Najee was punching through some holes, they were kind of the same old Alabama. Yeah, no, I agree. But I think that you know, I don't think this is as deep, or it does, it didn't look to me like it was the plug and play. You know, doesn't matter fourth string person you've never heard of. He's going to be an absolute stud who who plays just as well as the first string guy. Um, so it looked like they were a little bit vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. Although they they do typically have some kind of these games. Like last year when they were tied with the Citadel at halftime. I yeah, mean, that's true. Uh, it, it happens, but yeah, they did all right. One thing in the SEC as a whole, they look kind of rough uh, with. Yeah, I can't list off all the games here. I think Mississippi State barely beat ULL. Uh, Florida kind of struggled against Miami that we saw a few days ago. Kentucky barely beat Toledo. South Carolina lost to North Carolina. Uh, Ole Miss lost to Memphis. Uh, who else? But yeah, Auburn did uh, beat well, Auburn. That was the, the, for them. But, the, yeah, there were some horrible upsets, uh, starting with Tennessee losing yeah. their first home oh, exactly. opener. Yeah, I forgot that one. By, by like double digits since I, I don't know, like since before you know World War Two, <laughs> and they, that was just horrible. And then there was also they didn't Missouri. just lose to anybody; they lost to Georgia State, who's a F uh, or a Group of Five team, and so that's got to be completely embarrassing for that program. It does, it does. But that just, uh, I mean, that kind of shows you the state of Tennessee football. It's it hasn't changed. Uh, I know they got a new coach, but uh, that's just that's just bad. Uh, um, so, and that was Pey- Peyton Manning. They brought him back to you know to kind of start the season, uh, that, but that didn't look good. And then you he had was about Missouri. ready to get out of there, probably. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, then you had Missouri losing on the road to, to Wyoming. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw that one too. That's rough. Oh, that was crazy. Um, so there was that. Uh, but uh, the other game that I was able to watch some of. Uh, did not disappoint, and that was uh, Auburn and Oregon. Uh, Auburn was down, I think, by like 15 at one point, and then they came back uh, to win the game on the like the last 10 seconds. And uh, shout out, shout out to uh, to freshman QBs, uh, Daniel. I know you said there probably wasn't going to be another QB beyond Ellinger or Tua, but this kid Bo Nix at Auburn 
looks like uh, looks like he could cause some trouble in the SEC. He's a true freshman. Um, so that was a fun game to watch. And Herbert looked good as well, but uh, I don't think Oregon is back. They are just where they were, you know, last year or the year before. They got some talent, but I don't think they're going to get too far. Uh, yeah, they played well, but then they just kind of choked it away. And then, yeah, yeah Bo Nix, he, he struggled a little bit at the beginning then found his groove in the, like, the middle of the third quarter. And Justin Herbert kind of flip-flopped. He was solid early and then faded late. One kind of funny thing I saw is Oregon tried it for a Hail Mary at the very end to save it. And Justin Herbert, their quarterback, overthrew the end zone by about 15 yards. So they didn't even give him a chance. That was kind of a bummer. But then I saw somebody talking like NFL scouts don't even care about that. They say, look at that uh, arm strength that Justin Herbert has. We've got to take him, even though he overthrew everybody. <laughs> but I don't know. Right. Um, okay, so... Um, any other final predictions? I have one uh, because I, Ohio State uh, looked pretty good with their new QB, Justin Fields. They they, they won handily. Uh, I'm setting up a storyline for later in the year. Mm-hmm. I would like to say it would be for the playoffs. But think about the storyline of Joe Burrow playing his old team in the playoffs or in, like, the Sugar Bowl, you know, some big game like that at the end of the year. I think that's the uh, the storyline that I'm going to keep an eye on for uh, towards the end of the year. But I wanted also to get to a battle of transfer quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah, the transfer quarterback bowl. Too. So uh, any, any other last thoughts or, or predictions for you guys going forward before, uh, before Texas next week? Um, I, I guess a prediction I would have is I think that, you know, I think that you watch, you watch this game this week, uh, this Texas LSU game, I think will be the, will be the, some of the tea leaves to read that you'll be, that you'll look back on in, in November and December and say, you know, that was a pivotal week either way. You know, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say like, I'm not, I'm not ready to make a prediction on what they will, what that will mean, but I just think that the implications for the SEC and the implications for the Big 12 about for playoff, for the playoff. Um, you know, I think we talked about it before, but an LSU win here, um, I think could could will probably knock out Texas's chance for uh, for a playoff berth. And then also, me and Daniel talked about it yesterday. An LSU win here could also knock out a Texas and an Oklahoma's berth because if they blow, if they you know bloody each other up in the regular season and then that Big 12 championship, and you end up with a two loss, uh, you could potentially end up with a two loss Texas. Big 12 champion. I don't know if the committee wants to put, you know, a, a, a champion like that into the into the uh, in the playoff. And then I don't know if you want to put a, a Big 12 loser, Big uh, Oklahoma, into the playoffs. So, and right. vice versa. I think uh, you know, knocking a, an LSU loss in this game uh, lends some lends some credibility to Texas. Texas might be back then, and that might you know do a lot for their playoff contention. So. Be watching this game, and, and I think that you know this is not a an isolated event. This will mean a lot in November. Yeah, the only thing I had is that this is probably Clemson's biggest challenge of the year against Texas A&M. So if they do beat Texas A&M, they're pretty much on cruise control to the playoff. So if you're a Clemson hater, you're going to want to see them go down this week, or they're not probably going down at all. And so, but if they do lose, then that's going to shake up everything because even if they come back and they're a one-loss ACC champion. Maybe the ACC gets left out of the playoff completely, but we'll have to see. So that's the only other big game that you should keep an eye on, really, in my opinion. Yeah, and if uh, if the AC, well, if Clemson didn't make it, then yeah, I don't think the uh, the ACC is going to make the playoff at all either. There's just 
nobody after that. Um, and I think with that, that'll do it for us. Tune in next week. We'll have uh, plenty to talk about with the Tigers and the Longhorns uh, in their game in Austin. Uh, so follow us and listen to us, and we'll talk to you next week on the Talking Tigs podcast. Later. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Free Tommy.